0: The Athletic This is Talk of the Devils, the athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United and boy have we got a packed podcast ahead for you. We're going to be talking about the only team who are still competing in English football on all four fronts. Yes, Manchester United. We're going to preview the Manchester Derby with some renewed vigour. We're going to talk about the Charlton quarterfinal. There's some transfer news in there and we also are going to reflect on a very revealing piece from Laurie Whitwell about how Manchester United recruit footballers. We've got Laurie and Andy Mitten with us hello gentlemen but before we go any further we've got some breaking transfer news as we record just after nine o'clock on Thursday morning Laurie I feel like there should be some sort of metaphorical yellow news trap at this point
1: yeah can the video guys get that sorted if this goes on YouTube we do our best Sky Sports News impression uh, because yeah we've been a little bit delayed haven't we in coming on board just as this is uh, evolved uh, and yeah information from Adam Lentil, uh, colleague excellent uh, journalist well connected is saying that uh, an agreement has now been reached between Manchester United and Besiktas for the early termination of the loan for Vout Weghorst 2.5 million pounds payment made direct from Manchester United to Besiktas um this is what we expected it was all the sounds that we were hearing from Old Trafford we haven't had official confirmation yet from uh, United but it feels like it's now a sort of race against time almost or attention are turning to whether Veghorst can be registered in time for the derby on Saturday.
0: Yeah, edging closer it sounds like, doesn't it? And we'll get into that a little bit more later on in the podcast. You never know, we might even have some more information to bring you by then. Remember, keep your eye on The Athletic for the very latest on this if you're listening to this later on in the week. Vout Veghorst might even be a Manchester United player already in time for that derby. But We'll come back to it because we need to reflect on United reaching the semi-finals of the League Cup by, in the end... Um, beating Charlton quite comfortably, Andy, at Old Trafford. And your mate enjoyed his day out, didn't he, one way or another?
2: He did. I don't think his side were humiliated.
0: They didn't get absolutely spanked like you were asking.
2: No, they didn't. But I thought that might happen in the first five minutes because they they looked a bit starstruck. And then United got the two late goals to make it 3-0. It was a a good night out for the Charlton fans, although they did have a few uh, small-time chants. (laughs) Uh, Dean really enjoyed it. Had a good chat with Eric Ten Arg after the match. He invited him down to Carrington to see how Manchester United work. He presented him with a top quality bottle of red wine from Aldi, sorry, um, <laughs> and a signed United shirt. And Dean just felt that Manchester United were, were complete class in the way that they dealt with him. Um, he was really keen to learn how his Charlton athletic team can improve uh, more than anything else. Um, having played against a a top side. And he laughed a little bit. He felt that the team were getting a bit of a foothold in the game and then they bring on Rashford, Casemiro and Ericsson. But Dean and his family really enjoyed it and I'm glad that that happened and I'm glad that Charlton are out of the competition and Manchester United are through the semi-finals. And I'm even more glad that Manchester City are out of the competition because... I'll be honest, I just feared another semi-final defeat to City in a competition which they've won six out of the last eight years.
0: Yeah, that was a shock, that, wasn't it? Definitely Southampton winning that, and it's blown the competition wide open now, really, hasn't it? Manchester United favourites for it now, incredibly. Um, it was sort of just a continuation of the theme, lorry that game, wasn't it, really? You know, a fairly comfortable home win, as we've said. Um, Marcus Rashford <laughs> playing really well again and just looking like everything that he's touching... It's turning to goals. Um, Anthony continuing to be a conundrum. Um, It it was all there, really, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I think we said, didn't we, um, uh, discussing it between ourselves, maybe if that is his one trick for Anthony, it's a hell of a good trick to have. Um, He's dangerous in that area. Um, But yeah, we're still sort of waiting, aren't we, for a full explosion of of his talent and maybe that'll just be something that develops over time. But I think for the time being, really good performances... And the fact that Eric I could actually rotate his team a bit, you know, I guess, against opposition such as Charlton, you'd expect that. But the fact that he could get uh, some minutes into the legs, Copy Mino making his first um, start, Tom, Tom Heaton making his first start for Manchester United. Um, after, after 20 years. 20 years ago. Amazing. Yeah. We spoke to him afterwards, actually. He's, he's a re- really good guy, Tom. And um, he was quite honest, actually, in his appraisal because one of the things he mentioned was, I mean, his own frustration at not playing um, more and obviously Jack Butland's now coming as well so that competition is is really there um but also the discipline that Ten Hag instills he he made the point that it's it's working because results are there there's obviously always going to be a little bit of doubt a little bit of caution from players about a disciplinarian manager if results aren't going their way so results are good everyone has their own opinions but he 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 very much is saying that he likes the fact that you've got this consequence to rule breaking or kind of you know, ill-discipline, um, which then you know feeds onto the pitch. But I think Rashford coming on, scoring those two goals, he looks like you know it's so much purpose in his game. It looks like he knows what he's going to do with the ball before he you know get, receives it. Really, and then you know, obviously the two finishes were were both different quality finishes. And, and Casemiro, I mean, I know it was Charlton, but those passes, I didn't think he was supposed to be this good on the ball, and maybe against like a, a low block and. A more resilient defence it would be a different story but I just thought you know left right through the middle brilliant passing range and it was it was quite a good fun evening in the end
0: yeah and it even involved a little cameo from Facundo Palestri uh, in your article Laurie about the chance of him going out on loan you said that it was um, an eventful cameo um, it was an impressive cameo as well Andy wasn't it He looked, he looked very very sharp and really sort of showed what he can do after waiting two and a half years to make that debut
2: waiting with some frustration. The same as Tom Heaton. You know, Laurie and I spoke to Tom and I think Laurie would speaks really well. And Facundo Palestre has been waiting patiently. He's been training really well. As Manchester United fans saw when he came on, he definitely got something. It was a brilliant cameo. He did five or six things. He set up a goal. I think he did things which fans love to see, running at players. He's absolutely rapid. I think one of the issues was always improving He's shooting in front of goal, but he's a nice kid, but he needs to be playing football. I've seen him several times this season after matches. And you just get a polite sort of shrug because he wants he's a footballer. Footballers tend to want to play football. And he's no different. But he totally enjoyed it at Old Trafford. I think the fans really enjoyed his his cameo. And another another bright reason for that game the other night. Laurie's Laurie's missing one point here because <laughs> i wonder when this come coming so it wasn't the perfect night wasn't the perfect night why is that well apart from the biblical rain i bumped into <laughs> Laurie outside the stretford end about 90 minutes before the game and he was wandering around like a lost soul <laughs> I, I was frantic wasn't i anyway he properly he properly lost his wallet didn't you
0: we you getting all panicky Laurie. I'll I was thinking, it. do I, do
1: I, do I cancel? Oh, the hair Blast was all it. over the place, mate. The, the rain had put paid to that. I did have a brolly <laughs> in my in my bag, but that no was... No
0: time for umbrellas when you're looking
1: for a wallet. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> I mean, basically what had happened was you have to sort of show your press accreditation when you've got a bag at Old Trafford. Here you go, I am a, I'm an accredited journalist, believe it or not. Put my wallet back in my bag. It's a new bag. It's a Christmas bag, you see. And I forget that you've got to zip it then back up and it obviously just plopped out on the floor. And I realised once I got through to uh, reception, the media desk, and, and Leanne, who's a brilliant uh, lady who works on the uh, media desk, was kind of like, well, what's, what's the problem? And I was like, oh, God, no, I need to go back out and get my wallet. Through the rain, I got back to the place. I tried to trace my steps, I'm thinking, where have I lost this? It turned out I just lost it immediately as soon as I left the guys in high-vis, the security
2: staff. But well, The reason I bumped into him is because we couldn't go past the bit where the players come in because it was blocked off. And there were a lot of people there. And most of the people there were Dean Alden's family. <laughs> 27 of them. Oh, seriously? Waited for the Charlton bus to come in. And this is lovely, this. He told me this before the game. His dad came forward and handed him a picture of his mum and dad. His mum passed away three years ago and just said, she's, she's, she's still watching your son. And he took that picture into the dressing room. And then after the game, he walked through the tunnel with his dad. So I know it's quite emotional, but... Football should allow for little bits like that. And because of so many Charlton fans being there, that meant I bumped into Laurie, this wonderful serendipity. And I'll second what he says about Leanne as well. Another one of the top staff who work at Manchester United. And they're desperate for the team to win a trophy, like we are. And we ain't getting carried away.
0: and his eyebrows are going up again but I'll third that about Leanne as well, definitely. Um, Let's just bring it back then to Palestri to mop it up if we can do. Uh, I said about you writing about the chance of him going out on loan Laurie, Um, there's an article up there from Mark Critchley as well about his performance against Charlton and the weight that he had for it, so go and have a look at that but in terms of this loan then, what's going to happen do you think?
1: Uh, They're having meetings, it might even be today, I'm not sure the exact timing of it, Um, but it's a yeah, collaborative piece again with Mario, our, our new guy that we've hired, who's a Spanish journalist. We're, we're making good hires, I think, with people that know what's going on in football. Um, Always helpful. And there's, yeah, there's a meeting between his agents and United to determine what the best course of action is. Because I mean, Ten sounded open-minded, didn't he, to him staying? It's, it's kind of weird that it's been two and a half years since he signed. This was his first game, but actually now it's because he's, he's 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 impressed. I and mean, I know it's only Charlton, but he did he showed that he had you know a bit of purpose about him right and and, and energy and he did things quickly so
0: well he, um, he beat a man within about five seconds of coming on the pitch which we'd waited <laughs> yeah. an hour for Anthony to do in about 12 <laughs> matches or whatever it is
1: so they're having yeah they're having discussions I mean what Watford are interested I don't believe that Polistri is uh, too keen on going to a championship club he's also got interest from Spain which he's been to before Andy met him out there didn't he at Alaves um, so, but, but this is Valencia that are apparently now weighing up a, a move, which is a, a considerable, uh, club to go to. So I think he wants more regular games, as Andy's touched on, but United might look at it and think, okay, actually, we, we need you for the second half of the season. Um, and it's Ten Hag, it's John Murter, it's Darren Fletch, who's important role in the loan, um, choices that are made. So they're getting together with Polish's agents and, and deciding the, um, the outcome ultimately. Um and just quickly on Mark Critchley who wrote that piece on Pallistry. Mm-hmm. Critch, you mean? Critch. I got a chance to ask him what his drink of choice is. Andy, you'll love this. It's a black Russian. Uh so we did uh, a little thing in the press box before Charlton and, and I asked him and he, he gave me the full description. A little bit of Guinness on top, he says. So there you go, Andy. Not just me that likes a cocktail. I
2: mean, what do you want me to say to this? I've lost the battle before the war's even. <laughs> I'll win the war. (laughs) I also spoke to Critch, said I'll have a night out with him, away from you, and I'll turn him back to more sensible drinking choices. Critch is the battleground.
0: Speaking of battlegrounds, the City Ground is uh, going to be hosting one of the legs of the League Cup semi-final because we've got Nottingham Forest, Andy. Uh, A penny for Dean Henderson's thoughts, please.
2: (laughs) He's never been one to... Be short of putting those thoughts forward, has No, it's
0: <laughs> not always taking even a penny, has it, in fairness? He, yeah. He's
2: probably raging with a sense of injustice that he can't show that he's the best goalkeeper that world football has ever seen in the League Cup semi final. I think it's top that Manchester United are playing Forest. We don't play him at all for 20 years, 23 years, and then we go to the city ground twice in five minutes. Bigger way end. Scene of one of the most important games in Manchester United's modern history. No, not the 8-1. The, the FA Cup third round in 1990. I respect Forrest. I hope that they stay up this year and that they get absolutely tanked in the semi-finals of the, the League Cup. This will be a first away game in domestic cup competition that fans have been able to go to since Covid. Now, Leicester was the last cup game. That was in twenty-one when Manchester United got knocked out of okay. the FA right. Cup. Yeah, you know, yeah. you might be right with that. Because there've just been so many home draws. It was Derby way, wasn't it, just before COVID? That was great, that one. Mm. Whatever happens, all these games are in the East Midlands, aren't they? But we should get a good, good ticket allocation there. And just adds to the fixture congestion. Six home games in January for Manchester United.
0: So on Dean Henderson, Laurie, as well. Obviously, in the league, he's automatically ineligible to play because of, of Premier League rules stating mm. that you know loan players can't play against their parent club. I understand in the League Cup, the clubs can give permission for Dean Henderson to play. Uh, so Manchester United could give him permission to play if they wanted to. Do we know for definite that he's not available for this game?
1: No, not for definite. I mean, I made a couple of inquiries last night and the initial reaction was, yeah, we don't think he'd play, but... As you say, I suppose if United feel for his development or for a sense of goodwill, maybe they would do it. I mean, but on the flip side, he's obviously been a pivotal figure in Nottingham Forest getting to this stage with the penalty shootout. And if he gets to a penalty shootout again, do you really want to roll the dice? I mean, I I don't know. It'd be an interesting one if there's any discussions today or, you know, in in the intervening period between the games taking place. So we'll, we'll, I'll I'll definitely be chasing up that one because it's a really intriguing aspect to it all particularly given how vocal he was in interviews before the season started about his time at United and how he felt like he should have got a, more of a chance so I mean personally I don't know am I being too too kind hearted and saying let him play you were saying this last night weren't you Ian?
0: Part of me just thinks let him play but then the devil in me thinks let him sit in the stands <laughs>
1: I, th- I think it's such a huge opportunity for Eric Ten Hag to win a trophy in his first season and just give that kind of platform for progress. You wouldn't want
0: your lone goalkeeper to undermine that, would you?
1: That's, that's it. I mean, ultimately you want to win trophies and, and clearly Ten Hag has, has, has managed these cup competitions well so far. Obviously there's been a bit of fortune with the draws, but you, you can't sort of shy away from an opportunity like this so soon in your United tenure. It would, it would just give it, you know, a real sheen of, Um, of of, of authenticity that he's, you know, he's a proper Manchester United manager.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to com slash courtside to learn more. Okay, let's come back to it then. Veg host on the verge of joining Manchester United. You heard <laughs> the update at the start of the podcast, which was um, was hearing from Adam Leventile that, United had agreed a payment with Besiktas to cancel his loan. Any more updates,
1: Laurie? No more updates uh, oh. as yet. Um, so <laughs> suspense. Uh, yeah, not quite worked out for us there. It's
0: only been fifteen minutes
1: or so. In fairness, I know. Yeah, could have should should have made something up. Like, yeah, he's flying in. It's done. You know, no, uh, I'm not going to do that. No, don't don't do that. No, no. we're going to be serious here. But it's it's interesting if he does come in for the derby. I mean, surely that's what Ten has wanted, right? I mean, he he's been. Seeing these fixtures ahead of time, wanting particular players in for that moment.
0: So we need to be registered by midday Friday, we said, didn't we? For that, for that to happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then we'll speak to Ten Hag after that, his press conference. So we'll know by that point, you know, whether or not it's been successful. I mean, you feel like because it's Thursday and this has happened, the agreement's been reached that that's, there's obviously a deadline that they've got in their mind. So you'd think that they would want him, you know, as an option. Um, And I mean, Vatbergost you know, certainly was that way inclined when he was waving goodbye to the Besiktas fans uh last weekend. I mean it's all it has happened quite quickly, hasn't it? I mean it was only Saturday night where this kind of really took hold and I think United had I know that they've been having conversations about it previously. Um the, the Burnley game, uh at Old Trafford, I'm sure that was a, a sort of a fertile uh situation to have a few you know a few bits of conversation uh privately. Um and, and yeah, Val has obviously been aware of it for the for, for a few days a few weeks um, but I think I think they, I think they should my, my hunch is now that
2: they'll they'll get him in in time but we'll see I think it's also going to happen and I hope he's as successful as the last player Manchester United signed from Besiktas.
0: Quick pause for the listeners to have a think
2: Like you had to have a think when I asked you before
0: it Took me a while didn't it but I got it
2: You did get it and he was good wasn't he
0: Yeah he was Very good.
2: I I wouldn't have got this, I don't think. No? Go on, you got it then.
0: It was Ronnie Jonson, way back in 1996, 7, was it?
2: I think 6. Correct. 96, signed in a summer with Jordi Cruyff and Karolski. Yeah. What a trio. I'm not mistaken, Ronnie was 1.6 million. And Enningberg maintains to this day, it's the only person he's seen man-mark Zinedine Dedan out of a game. He said he was that good.
0: Right. Was he playing in midfield that day?
2: Against Juventus? Yeah.
0: Against Juventus?
2: Yeah. Well, he could play midfield and he could play yeah, centre-half. Yeah. And lo- lovely temperament. Very, very good player. Very nice guy. Uh, carried a lot of injuries. Played through a lot of those injuries. But absolute success for Manchester United.
0: Yep. I hope people at home got that.
1: So if Valk is on the... Yeah, we, we hope that Val can replicate what Ronnie Onsen did... Twenty odd, thirty odd years ago, um,
2: you you've already got a chant, haven't you, Andy? For Val, my Ghost, I, I ain't I ain't got a chant. This is picked up from Danny McMullins on on Twitter, and what? Let me find it. Val Val it's the sound of of the set piece. Val Val it's the sound of the set piece. There's a syllable too many there, isn't there?
0: Vow, vow, it's the sound of
1: the set piece. I, th- I
2: think it's right. It's just quite tricky to say. I like the idea behind it. Yeah,
1: vow, yeah. vow, yeah. it's the sound of the beast, of the beat. United set pieces have been better this season, so yeah. yeah.
0: Well, we'll see. Yeah, if Christian Eriksen can can provide him, then you never know the Stretford for them might be bouncing to that one. Stranger things have happened, or have they? I'm not sure. Anyway, let's move it on. Let's talk about one of the most popular pieces on The Athletic in recent weeks. That is Laurie Whitwell's breakdown of how Manchester United signed footballers. It's been dubbed Project Bethlehem, which I think is Manchester United's task of signing players rather than Laurie's task of writing it all up. But a very, very revealing read, Laurie. That's the only word for it, to be honest.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's been nice how it's been received because it took a lot of work, obviously. um, A lot of time. um, Help from colleagues as well, uh, you know, sort of Bouncing ideas off them and, and hearing uh, their thoughts, uh, but yeah, the reader seems to have appreciated it. And I think probably because it gives a, a good understanding of of what the situation is now at Manchester United and how they recruit players, and also the journey that they've been on since Alex Ferguson left, uh, which is why this Project Bethlehem name was was coined, um, maybe somewhat loftily, but you know, it was it was about trying to, I guess, start from start from scratch, birth a new era, I suppose. Um, and, uh, and 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 certainly from United's point of view, they feel like they're in a better position than ever to recruit players and, and scout the right targets. There's, there's other people that have been involved in the system um, that are outside the system as well. Agents, for example, that will say, actually, United still don't know exactly how to get a signing quickly and ahead of the curve because my impression of a good recruitment system would be one where... They sign players for a good value that perhaps other clubs are looking at but aren't necessarily sure about, and then they come into the first team and they produce the goods. Um, I would say that is a good recruitment system. Um, I know that's difficult with Manchester United. There is definitely a United tax where they get involved and clubs ramp up the price, but there's also issues over when they A strike point, is what Oligona Solskjaer would sort of complain about, knowing when to go for these players. Um, And, you know, so for example, Anthony, you know they obviously had him at the start of summer. Uh, he was one of the three players on their list. Ten Hag was the crucial voice in it all, and and his influence on this system is 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 really paramount right now. I mean, we're, we're talking about Valkenburg. Clearly, that's a player that Eric Ten Hag um, is advocating. I don't necessarily think he would be a player that the scouting department have gone. Here's a player that we've unearthed. Um, I think certainly they will have looked at the numbers involved and how he fits into the team because they did that with Casemiro last summer to a great detail. Um, and and they've kind of all agreed that yeah okay this is a good player for us in this particular very specified circumstance but I still think yeah there's issues with the recruitment system in knowing having the conviction I suppose to go for players at the right moment because the, the over, overwhelming uh, sense was that United have a vast army of scouts so they've got 140 scouts uh, 50 full-time 90 part-time so they basically work at weekends um, all over the world um, and yet They've got massive amount of data that all goes into the central system and they can, they can pick out reports from players on, they'll know every player in in the globe. But the crucial, the kind of magic ingredient is knowing when to strike for those players and how to get those players, negotiate good deals, have those relationships with sporting directors, with agents so that you can get ahead of other clubs. And that's probably what Sir Alex Ferguson did better than anybody you know he had this genius for kind of detecting when to go for player and obviously he didn't get everything right you know he certainly signed a few duds but he had a, his own network of people that would kind of give him tips and, and and he'd be able to get stuff over the line united at the moment there's a, there's a committee involved and i think that's a good thing certainly you know you want robust discussions about ideas and and they had that they had as detailed in the piece there's a there's a meeting when they realized that they had to pull the cable on frankie de jong and they had to go for somebody else and, and they discussed the ideas and, and they, they really drilled into it and Casemiro was the one that came out on top and then they went for him. And, and that, to be fair, they, they signed that deal in like 48 hours once John Murtagh flew to Madrid. Um, but there's also... You know aspects that aren't quite right. I think, yeah, hopefully people can go into the piece and and there's, there's lots in there. So I, I do appreciate the, the reception it's had there.
0: Yeah, I definitely encourage any Manchester United fan to go and read it. You'll certainly learn something about your club. There's absolutely no question about that. Of course, it's on The Athletic at the moment. If you're not a subscriber, I'm going to do this advert slightly earlier than usual. You can sign up to The Athletic with a special podcast price of £1.99 per month for a year when you go to athletic.com forward slash Man United pod. There are some bits of encouragement in there, Andy. I think Manchester United fans will be sort of encouraged to read about how Eric Ten Hag has targeted these players and the particular qualities that he's looking for. Um, He wants to sign certain characters who can take criticism. Laurie Rowe who responds to direct coaching and that he is ultimately the leading voice as well on this. So there's a clarity in the way that United are working as well, which... Yes, there's some criticism, certainly, that, that that piece will bring about, no doubt. But there are some elements of encouragement, like I say, as well.
2: Yep, there are. Lots of good detail in the piece. Definitely worth reading. We're consuming it at a time when Eric Ten Hag's stock is really high. His signings have been vindicated. If you want to flip that the other way, other managers have pushed for players. And then when the next manager comes in, because they've been managerial decisions, as opposed to club or sporting director decisions... The next manager's left with a load of players that his predecessor has signed. Timing is really important here. Was Cristiano Ronaldo a good signing for Manchester United second time round? Because we all thought he was at the at the start. And the more I hear from different people inside the club, I have doubts about whether he was a good signing overall. Now that was Ed Woodward pushing for that. What did Ed Woodward do to be in a position to push for that? He became close to several of the leading agents who were gatekeepers to the leading talent. George Mendes, not long after Ed Woodward came in, George Mendes's daughter, for example, was doing work experience at Manchester United. And agents will always see things from their perspective. I saw a report recently, leading agents think Manchester United should sign to strengthen uh, in the January transfer window. And I was thinking, well, obviously, salesman wants to sell product. Ten Hag pushed for all the players really hard. I think the fact that he wants to go for Vegorst, um, fans will back him on that because he knows far more about the player than any of the fans. And because he's signing so far, have been successful. Casemiro, uh, Christian Eriksen, Lissandro Martinez, outstanding successes, all of them. Anthony, more of a question mark, but we keep seeing uh, moments there. And the other problem with recruitment is it is so subjective. You've got so many people offering counter-opinions depending on results. December 18, someone pretty high up, you should be digging into who signed Fred for this club because that's a disgrace. That same person went quiet a month later when Fred was manning the match against Manchester City away in the derby. And there's lots of people who have been slighted, people who've left the club, people who've said, yeah, not what it is, not what it should be. Definitely been issues, as has touched on in the piece, with the way that Manchester United signed, with Joel Glazer getting the final say on on signings. Is that the most efficient way to, to run a club? I think the way that Manchester United sell players, there's huge room for improvement there. You look at the revenues Chelsea have made from selling players in the last five years, compared them to Manchester United, not even a competition. Manchester City sell players really, really well compared to Manchester United. So there is room for improvement, but I do think that Manchester United have been improving under John Murta and under Eric Ten Hag.
0: I said before, Laurie, that there's a lot of detail in there. Um, the top comment on the piece really stood out to me. It had nearly as many likes as people had commented on the piece, so like well over 200. It's from Justin. He says, I'm kind of stuck on the fact that United's head of data science is from a fashion retailer.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: that'll surprise a lot of people. That. Yeah,
1: it's certainly been something that's been debated as well. You know, um, what? How do you go from fashion to football? they are different skills to look for. You'd think. I mean, at the same token, people that I speak to say he's a really sharp data analyst, and and if that's what your job is, then you can transfer it to another um, another sphere. Um, and he's hired people; they haven't actually started working yet. So that's another aspect that that probably should be you know highlighted that things take a long time to get sorted at United. Is that Joel Glazer? Is that other people that work for the club that don't push through on things? Um, but yeah, I think at least having a, a greater data element to it is has to be a good thing. But I, I would still say that, yeah, it's, it's having that feel for the market and, and, knowing when to strike for a play and having that vision. The vision comes from Eric Ten Hag, right? That's that's basically where it's come from. For as much as United will say that, uh, Lisandro Martinez was on a list of five players, uh, centre backs that they were looking at, or Anthony was on a list of three. Ultimately, it's Eric Ten Hag that has pushed for certain ones. And that's, that's fine because he's the manager and you want to be able to support the manager. Um, I, I so, sw- I suppose I still have a, a slight reservation that, as Andy touched on, you know, if at some point ten Hag does depart, then, you know, is the next manager going to be so on board with the same kind of players? The flip side of that is that Ten Hag is building a more cohesive team. So the idea is that, OK, you get a manager that's you know, similar to Ten Hag and, and therefore you can keep the, the train going that way. But yeah, there's, there's definitely, I mean, issues of reporting. So with these this, this highlights of, of players where scouts have recommended, um, players and have kind of hammered, um, the, the, the recruitment department. So John Murta and Steve Brown, um, the head of recruitment who, who came from Everton, uh, with John Murta, um, about certain players and not heard back is, is their allegation. Um, United will say that, okay, not, all, uh, scouts are kept abreast of developments after they've put, um, reports into the system. You know, if, if they're having discussions with agents, they wouldn't, they wouldn't necessarily tell a scout that and, and how they've fallen down. But I think there is a, it, it's, it's fair to include that criticism though, because I've heard it in multiple situations and you can see it in, in the actual, the play they've signed, right? You know, I mean, they've missed out on Erling Haaland, they've missed out on Jude Bellingham. Um, they've, they've missed out on other players that they've, you know, Julian Alvarez, you know, uh, they missed out on him, really. You know, they, they could have signed in potentially last, last January. Um, there's, there's currently players that are being discussed right now that United are in the mix for that they, they sound like they're gonna, you know, miss out on and you, you won't necessarily hear about them until, you know, two, three years down the line. Moises Caicedo is an example where, You know, United were definitely in talks with him. There were some issues over the agents, like he's got quite a few agents and it was, it was kind of hard to find out who United should be talking to and and maybe the price was going up as a result of that and United stepped away and thought, no, not for us. But Brighton got the deal over the line for, you know, less than 10 million pounds, certainly. And now look at him, you know, and he was a player that was definitely in the system and, and it needs, in my opinion, someone to take the initiative in those situations because Okay, we've had Polistri, who was signed for like £9 million, who they could, they could still make a profit on now. Um, you know, even though he hasn't actually played until <laughs> this week, um, because he's played for Uruguay at the World Cup and you feel like, okay, they, they could buy him and, and sell him. If he's not for one for you, that's, that's not bad business. I, I think that's fine. Um, Ahmed Diallo is one that they obviously took a chance on ahead of other clubs, but ultimately that deal is worth £37 million if, if all comes to, to, to fruition. So I sort of think, well, you you need to be a first team player at Manchester United when you're committing that kind of sums and he's having a good loan spell at Sunderland but we're still to sort of see so I'm still waiting for United to kind of make these signings that you go okay that's clearly something that's come from the scouting department, recruitment department, the data analysts and they've taken the initiative and they've gone with it and it's been a success.
0: Yeah like I say lots of detail in there there's certainly more we could talk about no question about that but go and read the piece and See about what you think about it. Reminder the podcast price is up there at the moment £1.99 a month for the first year. If you're not a subscriber, sign up now. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. Right, I did say at the start there was a lot to get in and somehow we've gone nearly half an hour of this podcast and we've not even talked about the Manchester derby, which is just over 48 hours away, Andy Mitten. How are you feeling ahead of this? Because City don't look quite the same as they did before the derby at the Etihad, which is definitely a good
2: thing. Nor do Manchester United, which is definitely a good thing. United are much better. Um, I'm nervous. I'm excited. I feel... Is confident too strong a word going into the game? If that's what you're feeling, no.
1: Confident for what, Andy? I suppose that's the debate there.
2: <laughs> for, for Manchester United beating Manchester City in a derby, and yet, even when Manchester United have been relatively poor, have achieved some amazing results against Manchester City in the derby away. I'm more worried about United in the derby at Old Trafford. Yeah, Old Trafford's become a fortress under Eric Tenhart.
0: Can I read the record out for United at Old Trafford against City?
2: Uh, it's Since when?
0: Well, if if you go from...
2: Andy wants you to go back to the 30s.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. If, you go, if I say this quickly, since the 6-1 uh, defeat, in all competitions, 14 Manchester derbies at Old Trafford, including that debacle, and City have won nine of them. Yeah, which is why I feel and like... United that. have only won three of the last 14... They've had one Premier League win against City at Old Trafford in eight
2: years. Yeah, McTominay, get in there. Yeah, just before yeah. lockdown, yeah. The last game before COVID, wasn't it? Yeah. But you touched on your point in the question. Are City, Is Wobbling too strong a word? Probably. Is Haaland upsetting the balance? They played a weaker team against Southampton. City are favourites. Imagine if United won. Go a point behind City. This would just be unforeseen. I think United have got to step up and get more top results. Liverpool have been beaten at Old Trafford. Arsenal, Tottenham. Imagine beating City. But you can probably tell in in my voice, how do you feel about it, Laurie? They're still the benchmark, aren't they? They're the champions. Well, that's why I
1: sort of asked you for what confident would mean. So I'm confident that United will put on a good Performance, you know, not like the one at the Etihad, which was, they were destroyed, weren't they? And I'd be interested to see what Eric Ten Hag does with his lineup, whether he, he, he commits like he did at the Etihad. And, and then the players, from his point of view, didn't follow through. I think he was talking about bravery, wasn't he? I think bravery in terms of positioning, you know, going high and, and supporting your teammates. And in the end, it was like two different teams, wasn't it? And the midfield was totally open. And, you know, De Bruyne had a field day. Um, but I am confident that there'll actually be more together in this one. Um, I mean, the, the I watched the Southampton City game last night and it was kind of startling how little kind of rallying there was from City. I mean, may, maybe they were like, well, OK, we don't want to exert ourselves too much in this competition. We've won it before. There's bigger fish to fry. But it was quite interesting that Southampton, a team that had been really struggling, Nathan Jones has been under huge pressure you know, from the fans already, and they were able to... Pick a path through City, and and you know certainly first half in, in a good way, you know, uh, pressing high. So maybe that will give Ten Hag encouragement to stick to that kind of um, strategy for a game against City. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a really intriguing one because you just feel like if if they do manage to get a win, that is rocket fuel for the the whole season.
0: Biggest statement yet, no doubt at all. Yeah, um, on Nathan Jones actually at Southampton, I read on Twitter. I don't know if it was a joke or not, but the, the fans had been chanting at him, "You don't know what you're doing." And then they went 2-0 up against City in the space of about five minutes. And then they started chanting, you do know what you're doing, which I don't think I've ever heard before. (laughs) That's good. Uh, Whether it was joking (laughs) or not, I'm not sure. I I quite enjoyed reading (laughs) that tweet. Anyway, um, back back to Manchester United, Andy. Um, Yes, OK, the record against City is not good, but the form that they've been in lately is good. And the form of individual players coming into this game is really positive as well. Marcus Rashford, we seem to talk about all the time. We've seen that mentality man celebration pointing to his head a lot that we dubbed it. Loads of people got in touch with us about uh, a different name for it and we had loads of different weird and wonderful ideas for it. So we'll wait to see what Marcus ends up calling that.
2: Unagi is what I saw.
0: U- Unagi, that was the
2: one, yeah. yeah, From friends. <laughs> United have conceded 20 goals this season, far more than the teams uh, above Manchester United, but only four goals conceded at Old Trafford. That's the best home defensive record in the league Only two teams have come at Old Trafford and gone away with anything: Brighton in the first game and Newcastle United, who absolutely deserve their draw in October. Rashford has been playing brilliantly; he's become prolific. He scores in every single game. He scored winners in Manchester derbies before. I think the difference will come from players like Casemiro playing in this match and a settled Casemiro because he wasn't back to the start of October. For that six-three, when, as Laurie said, it was completely disjointed. City destroyed United, as it did in April in the last derby at the Etihad before that one. I'm expecting and hoping for a much more convincing Manchester United performance. You've got Varane in, you've got Lissandro Martinez in.
0: Do you think they'll start Andy?
2: I I think that both Guardiola and Eric Ten Hag chose their selections this week with the derby in mind, more so. Um, Guardiola. He talked about minutes in legs. I think he knows that the United he's coming up against now are probably the strongest United he will have come up against since joining in the summer of 2016. I think he knows that if United won it could be really significant for Manchester football. City have got some slight issues of their own. I think mean, the strongest Manchester United 11 at the moment would be Martinez. So I'm glad he got their minutes against Charlton and he wasn't brilliant. No, he wasn't. Um, Raphael Varane is is brilliant. Uh, Luke Shaw, you know, it's all right playing Luke Shaw at home uh, in the centre of defence against some teams. Against Manchester City, start to doubt it a little bit. If United are going to win, you need eight out of ele- those 11 players to really come strong against a brilliant City team because if you allow someone like Kevin De Bruyne to play... Then he will destroy Manchester United.
0: That was the issue in the, in the Derby, the Etihad as well. Um, it leads into sort of the selection of, of defence as well. I, I was pitch side for that game, and I was on the side of the pitch in that first half where De Bruyne was just pulling onto the right-hand side, and him and Foden were ganging up on, on Tyrone Malassia on that side, and it was a very, very, very difficult 45 minutes for him, and it didn't feel like Christian Eriksen was able to offer him much support uh, either, in fairness, in that game. And that's definitely going to be an area that Ten Hag will look at. Um, but both full-backs, like we've just talked about the centre-half, Laurie, there's a decision to be made on, on both sides, whether you, you go with Diogo Delo, who we don't know his exact fitness status, or Anwan Basaka, who's looked sort of better in recent weeks. Maybe a better one-on-one defender against Jack Grealish, if indeed he is the choice on that side with his dribbling. Um, and then left-back as well, because has had a lot of minutes. Granted, that's been when Luke Shaw's been centre-half, so you'd think Luke Shaw's still the first-choice left-back. But right across that back line, there's decisions for Ten Hag to make, isn't there?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the Dello one was interesting because he had a, a little conversation with Ten Hag before coming off um, against Charlton, um, and he, he'd obviously pulled his hamstring a little bit. So it, it felt like one of those precautionary ones rather than, you know, a few weeks out but it's tough to say isn't it in those situations Wan-Bissaka I mean he's a player that United Ten Hag would have been open to selling maybe this this window if he could get a replacement in and there's certainly been interest in him, wolves Crystal Palace um but I do wonder now if it's got to a point where you know United are fully focused on getting the center forward in and they've got they've got a goalkeeper in now as well um let's k- keep the status quo and and wambaaka has actually done quite well when he's when he's played so as you say Perhaps in specific situations like the City game, he actually is a better option um, to kind of defend those one-on-one situations. Um, Luke Shaw, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I get the feeling that him starting Martinez against Charlton was a prelude to starting again against City, um, and Luke Shaw moving to left back. I mean, because he was he was great against um, was it Forest, was it was at left back again, or was it Bournemouth? I, I get confused with the games. They're all in red as well, um, aren't they? And the opposition exactly. That's what I'm trying. They're so similar. Uh, so, I, I just think that Shaw at left back offers, you know, just that extra bit of quality going forwards. And, 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 you know, he scored against City, hasn't he, previously? He knows what he's doing in, in those games. So, uh, that was kind of my reading of, of what happened with the lineup, uh, the other night. But yeah, that being said, Malassia's shown some snap, hasn't he? It's going to be an interesting one. But you feel like the defence should be more settled, should be more, Coherent. I mean, David De Gea's linking with them as well, I think, has, has got better um, as the season's gone on. Certainly, it couldn't have got any worse than, than Brentford, could it? Um, but that is that is a difference. As Andy touched on, Casemiro, I think, will make a, a huge difference in this game.
0: Yeah, incredible, really. Casemiro just wasn't even a starter, was he, when the derby came around? On the
1: bench for the full game. No, he came on, didn't he?
0: Yeah, it was Scott McTominay who started that game. Um, Anthony Martial as well. In fact, any more Vout updates, Laurie?
1: No, no, no more fucking days. Still uh, waiting. Still, yeah.
0: Yeah. Anthony Martial may be affected by Vaut coming in, Andy. You'd like to think that it might inspire a, a bit of form from him with him having a little bit more competition, maybe. But actually, the Manchester Derby's been the one game where. You don't have to worry about Anthony Martial. He's really shown up in, in some of the derbies over the years. In fact, he's not scored more goals against any other Premier League team than Manchester City. He's got five during his time at United. So
1: <laughs> That is a wild start.
0: I'm trying to find some positivity somewhere. Because Martial's not looked quite at it,
2: has he, in fairness? He's not, and that's why the manager wants another strike option. And Valpar Gost is a completely different type of player to Anthony Martial. One of Martial's best games for Manchester United was away two years ago at Manchester City. So he's a probable starter on Saturday at Old Trafford and you need him to have one of his great games. Uh, I think there's enough United players been playing well to really damage City if things go Manchester United's way. I'd be stunned if Vegard came in and started the match. But he could come in and if he's registered in time, he could come off the bench. And There's a little psychological side to that because it would lift the crowd. And Manchester City won't be planning for that whatsoever. It's impossible to plan for. And the one thing that Pep Guardiola likes to do is go into the granular detail of all the different uh, possibilities. So you mentioned uh, Malasia, He was targeted by Manchester City with great effect in that first half. Ten Hag won't make the same mistake again. Probably put Luke Shaw in there. And Martial be a great game for him to score because he's not been scoring enough it's Marcus Rashford who's taken over the the role of the goal scorer and I don't think Anthony Martial has been playing badly tends to play for an hour then he comes off he does some good things he's certainly not a scapegoat there's a couple of other players getting more criticism than him Anthony's getting more criticism than Anthony Martial I wouldn't be too troubled if Anthony Martial started
0: no. Okay. Well, let's try and feed off some of that confidence that you had before, Andy. Yeah, I think that's a nice way to wrap things off. Eight wins in a row for Manchester United and nine would probably be about the most significant yet under Eric Ten Haag. Enjoy the match, whatever happens. Just before we go, I want to point you in the direction of one last article on The Athletic as well by Katie Wyatt. Uh, it's uh, Ella Toon, my game in my words, because... Manchester United men's team obviously got this significant game on Saturday but the women's side take on Liverpool on Sunday at Lee Sports Village as well and Mark Skinner has said that they've sold over 8,000 tickets which means that they're on course to set a new club record attendance at the Lee Sports Village this weekend against Liverpool which would be brilliant and it's a very interesting article as well with one of the key protagonists in the England women's successful 12 months in 2022 but that's it for Talk of the Devils Cheers Andy, thanks Laurie like I say, enjoy the match. Feed off that and confidence. We'll speak to you after it, no matter what happens. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye.
1: The Athletic.